If you have your Bibles, please open up to Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back. Uh, if you grab those Bibles from the back, uh, Matthew chapter 22 uh, is going to be on page 828. If you have the, if you use the Bible app on your phone, we have an event, a live event that you can follow along with us as well. So there's multiple ways for you to uh, kind of follow along with what we're doing. When I was in college, uh, we we got a new professor uh, show up uh, my freshman year. So it wasn't really new to me, but he was new to the campus. And he had been a missionary in Africa for the last five years. And um, it, just hap- it just so happened that uh, I ended up really connecting. You know, sometimes you just really connect with a professor uh, when you're in school. And so I really connected with this professor. I took almost every class that he offered. And uh, he, he was the pastor at the church that I went to in the whole nine yards. And it was, it was a really cool relationship that we had. And I remember at the beginning of our kind of friendship uh, mentoring relationship, I would ask him questions like, dude, so kind of like, how was it in Africa? And he would talk to me. He was very mission-minded. Uh, he would talk to me about, a, a, you know, a plethora of different things. And as you get older, you get a little bit better at asking questions, I think. And so instead of saying like, hey, how was it? Uh, you begin to ask more like specific questions that you're trying to get to, to like specific answers to. And uh, one, I think it was probably myself, my junior or senior year, I looked at him, I was like, hey, uh, what was the biggest difference between here and being a missionary in Africa? What was the biggest difference? And he looked at me, and he was like, pace. You're like, okay, I'm sure that's really profound, but I don't know what that means. Can you help explain that to me? And so he, he told me a story. He said, uh, one of the first weeks that I was there, I was replacing a, like a, a missionary that was retiring, and he was kind of handing what he was doing off to me. And so we went, we went to a, a village, like the town, you know, right next to them, there was like a market. And they, uh, they would, he was going to kind of show them the ropes, say, hey, this is where you can get fabric, and, you know, here's the, where you can get coffee, beans, and eggs, and the whole nine yards. And so uh, they're going there, and the first few minutes... Uh, of him being there, a guy comes up to this missionary and gives him this big hug, and they just start talking at 100 miles an hour. And my professor is kind of looking at him like, okay, cool, this is, I don't know anybody, this is cool, I'm in Africa. And uh, the, the, the missionary looked at him, he's like, hey, I, this guy, I haven't seen him in a while, I need to catch up with him, can you just give me a little bit of time? And he's like, yeah, can I say no at this point? Like, no, I can't really. So he said, oh, yeah, sure. And so they go to this, like, little cafe type thing. Um, don't, fi- don't picture Starbucks. Picture, like, outside some rocks and a cup of coffee, right? Um, they're outside, and they're hanging out at this cafe, and they're just catching up. And so my professor's like, okay, you know, I, I know the language-ish, and so I'm going to walk around. And so he goes around. He goes into a couple of little, you know, the little shops. He's looking around. He's like, all right, cool. This is interesting. Live chicken, okay, so I'm going to go this way now. And, uh, and so he, five, ten minutes, looks around. He's like, okay, I'm going to circle back. He's probably going to be wrapping up that conversation with that guy because obviously he brought me here to show me the ropes. And he goes, circles back. The guy's still talking. I mean, they're laughing. They're, I mean, they have their coffee. It's a great time. He's like, okay, well, you know, they're catching up. You haven't seen them in a while. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll make another lap, right? He does this ten times, <laughs> like 15-minute lap, still talking, and he's like, as I would be, kind of getting a little frustrated. He was telling me this, getting a little frustrated. And 
uh, he sees like some of the shop owners are like closing up for the day. He's kind of like, uh, uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, this, I'm sure this is part of the plan, right? Missionary training or something like that, right? And uh, he said the guy finished, finished his conversation and he came up to him and was like, oh man, it looks like they're closing up shops. So I guess we, maybe we'll come back tomorrow. And I'll show you the ropes. And he's like, okay. So they start walking back. And um, on the walk back, I guess the missionary was observant enough to know that he was kind of fuming, flaming from the ears, right? He's like, hey, so what's the problem? What's going on? What's wrong? What happened? He's like, well, I thought that you were going to show me the ropes today. I thought you were going to kind of show me, the, give me the lay of the land so I can kind of begin to start the ministry that God has for me here. And he looks at him, he's like, well, that man that I saw, I hadn't seen in six months. And I don't know if I'm going to see him again for another six months, and I'm about to leave. So I talked with him. And he looked at him, and he said, and my professor said, this is the most, most important lesson he learned. He goes, man, so often, so often, we forget about this, but you have a limited amount of time. So don't spend it on stuff. Spend it on people. And he said that that was such a, like a, like a mind shift that he began to learn. Is he has, we have a limited amount of time. He had a limited amount of time there. And he didn't need to waste it on doing stuff. He needed to invest it in people. That's one of the biggest differences in Eastern and Western culture, because in our, in our Western culture, we have our to-do list, and it's pages long. And if we don't accomplish all the tasks on our to-do list, it was a failure of a day, or we weren't very efficient, we're lazy. But in, in, the, in the East, it's not like that at all. My professor said that they would go, they would have a day, like their day existed of trying to accomplish one or two tasks. And he would like go to the market to go get uh, some fabric. And if he saw someone on the way there that he needed to talk to, the fabric ceased to be important. And that person was the most important thing that he was doing. The most important person was standing right in front of him, all his to-do list. It, It faded away. And that person got all of his attention. Because people are more important than things. He said, man, I... That was how Africa was, and it shaped the way I think about life today. And I think so often when we read the Bible, we read Jesus as an American guy living in a Western world with his big to-do list, and he's getting all this, he's moving and shaking. But he was not American. He was not like a blonde-headed, blue-eyed white guy, all right? I'm sorry. Jesus was Eastern, and he functioned very Eastern. People were more important than things for him. And so we look at a passage today uh, that, we, that we kind of briefly thought about last week, but this passage um, shows to you uh, why Jesus thinks people are more important than things. It's, it's Matthew chapter 22, Verses starting in verse 34, we, we see again, like last week, 
uh, a lawyer trying to trap Jesus. So, uh, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so what I realized this week as I was studying this passage is when he said that last phrase, on these depend all the law and the prophets, he was referring to something. When, when, with the law and the prophets, he's referring to the Old Testament. Just fun fact, Bible trivia knowledge. Um, when Jesus was talking to people, the New Testament hadn't been written yet, right? So they didn't have the Holy Bible in whatever translation they preferred. They didn't have their app to look up a verse. No, they had the Old Testament. They had the law and the prophets. And so when he refers to these things, people weren't very, uh, and people memorized these things. They hid them in their hearts. And so when he would reference things like this, passages of scripture would flow into their mind. And when he said, on these two, all the law and the prophets uh, depend, they immediately referred back to Leviticus chapter 19. So flip over there if you can with me. Leviticus 19, if you're in the app, uh, it's right there below it. Um, If you're in one of these hardback Bibles, like in the back, we're on page 97. Because when he said, love your neighbor as yourself, this, uh, the, the, the law and the prophets depend on this. He's talking about this passage in Leviticus 19. And let's just look at the first two verses really quickly, and we're going to launch into what God's going to show us today. He says, when you reap the harvest of the land, you shall not reap your fields right up to the edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you should not stir, uh, you should not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I'm the Lord your God. I, I truly believe that, that, that Jesus, when he's referring to this passage and he, and he says all the law and the prophets depend on this, he is bringing up this passage for people to think about. Because he's giving us some very practical information on how for, that we can love our neighbors. Three very practical things. The first thing that he's talking to us about that we see in these first two verses in Leviticus 19 is that we are supposed to live generously, right? Live generously. We're not supposed to reap the harvest. We're supposed to leave, right? So many of us are unable to live generously. And the main reason we are unable to live generously is because we live to capacity, We are completely maxed out. We are tapped. We have no excess to give. In order for us to live generously, we can't live maxed out. We cannot live maxed out. So so many times, we max out our time. We have our to-do list. We have our our, our day planner, we have our blocks of time scheduled so that we can be at the pinnacle of efficiency. And that is what's most important for us. But what happens is, in, in the desire to be efficient, we don't leave room for us to let the Spirit move in our midst. Let God guide us to have a conversation with someone that we might need to. We live capped out on time, but you can only be a neighbor when you leave time to be a neighbor. 
right? If you get home and you have no more time left, how can you be a neighbor? It is impossible. So we need to live generously. We can't live maxed out in our time. We need to, we need to budget time. We need to have excess time so that we can be around and we can be a neighbor to our neighbors. And we can't live maxed out in our finances. And now you're like, Kyle, don't tell me about my money. All right, that's all the church. I, I don't care about your money. I don't. Like, of all people, you can ask my wife, I'm terrible. I don't care about money. But what I do care about is when we live maxed out, when we have budgeted every single penny of our allotment that we have, and we're not, and we're, un, so we live so tight-fisted so that we can do the things that we want, we can't give to the people that need. And this is what he's talking about here, right? We shouldn't reap to the edge of the harvest so that there's excess for us to be able to give to people. God has given so much to us. And you guys are, so many of you are really great at budgeting. You're like, okay, we have this much money. And so in order for us to do this and this and this, we need to, we know we need, we need to do this. That's awesome. But we, we, have, we have budget money to, you know, unlimited data plan on our phone. And we have budget money for Netflix and Spotify. And we have budget money for, I mean, you want me to keep listening to them? Because we have so much budget money for other these, these non-necessary things but we live maxed out so we don't have the ability to live generously with the people around us. What, what, what Jesus is saying is, hey, in order for us to be a neighbor, we have to be able to be generous with our time. We have to be able to be generous with our money. And we have to be able to be generous with our energy. I, I've been there, right? I've been there. You get home from work and you're like, all right, I got four more steps in me before I'm going to go like completely lateral and I'm landing on the couch and no one talked to me for five minutes at least, right? And you fall down and you're unable to do anything, right? You, you, you. This is uh, not me preaching at you. This is me being convicted by the Holy Spirit. But how many of us give so much of our energy to our jobs, that when we get home, we don't have any left to give to the people that God has placed so close to me. Not just your neighbors, but the people that live inside your house. I mean, this is, this is, these are conversations that I had this weekend with my wife. Like, hey, I mean, we're, I'm living maxed out right now. I don't have much energy to give to my family, let alone to give to my neighbors. Man, if we're able to live generously, we can't live maxed out. So many of us miss out on ministry because we just don't leave room for it. I think we need to plan to leave room for us to be able to be generous. And part of that is, to, is giving us giving freely to those around us. Us giving freely to those around us. What does that look like? I'm not really sure, but I think part of it is us planning to share. Like being intentional about sharing, planning it out, right? So maybe you're grilling some burgers, and instead of making extra for your lunch, you make extra for your neighbors. I'm not saying you don't make extra for your lunch. I think that's good. I think it's wise. I know that everyone doesn't love eating the same thing for lunch every day, right? Sometimes leftovers is a great thing. But what if we said, hey, I'm going to throw four or five more burgers on the, on the, on the grill today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my neighbors, hey, I got some bur extra burgers. 
you guys interested? Because I know that my neighbors are, would be really offended if I offered them some free food so that they didn't have to cook dinner tonight, right? Like, I, I can't imagine something more offensive that I could do for my neighbor. Or even, hey, you know what? We're grilling tonight. You guys want to come over and hang? Yeah, we can, we can grill some burgers. We can play some games. We can, I, I'm just, if we're giving freely of ourselves. That's when good stuff starts happening. That's when we, the, the bondage of us holding so tight-fisted to the stuff that we have uh, gets, gets loosened, and we are able to, to love people. We're able to invest our time into people and not into our stuff. Maybe, maybe it looks like helping out. Maybe it looks like being intentionally available for your neighbors. Instead of complaining about your neighbor not mowing their yard, why don't you just knock on their door and say, hey, you know, I'm mowing tomorrow. Would it be cool if I mowed your front yard? I'm not going to go in your backyard because that's kind of, uh, unless you want me to. Or uh, my neighbor's weed eater has been broken for a little bit. And so every once in a while, I'm like, hey, I'm just going to edge her up. You know, edge it up. You know, she has a teenage boy, terrible at weed eating, like so bad. Uh, so I just help them out a little bit. You know how much time that takes for me? 10 minutes. Is my 10 minutes so valuable that, that, that I'm gonna save that 10 minutes so that I can't share the love of Jesus with the people around me? I, mean, I think we got this backwards when we're valuing our time so much that we can't share our time with others for the sake of the gospel for the sake of showing love to our neighbors. I work with our teenagers, and so many parents come up and talk to me, and they say, Kyle, man, like my kids are so entitled. They feel like they deserve so much. And I'm like, oh, yes, amen. Uh are you asking for help or are you just griping, right? Like, first of all, you have to ask that question. If you can, we can gripe, that's fine. You can gripe to me. If you want some help, I can help you. You know how to fix entitlement? Sacrificial giving. Families getting together and you say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stop paying for Netflix. And we're going to invest that money that we spend monthly in serving our community and, and giving and, and perp, intentionally making meals so that we can share them with our neighbors. Mom, no! Breaking the chains of entitlement. You don't deserve Netflix. You know how many channels I had growing up? No, you don't have to do that whole thing. Uh, but, right, like breaking these chains of entitlement happen when we give freely because we're supposed to be living generously. This is what he's talking about here. Jesus, he lived generously, but he also, he also fought for justice. When he saw an injustice happening in the world, he fought against it. He stood up for those who didn't have a voice, and I think that's what he's calling us to do as well, because if you look at the rest of this passage in Leviticus, he says, you shouldn't steal. You shouldn't deal falsely. You shouldn't lie to one another. You shouldn't swear. Uh, you shouldn't oppress your neighbor. You're the way, like, over and over and over that we're supposed to practice justice in this world that God has given us. And some of us are so critical of this world and that we're so critical of everything that's happening and like, no, this, you know, things need to change. You know what? Things do need to change. You know where we can start? With me. 
We can start being the change. You know how to start being the change? Uphold the law. That's what he's saying. Hey, don't steal. Don't lie. Don't show favorites. Don't do all of these things that he says in the top 10. Like, just be the change. If we begin, like, we were so critical of all these other people do, living their lives so terribly in our eyes. But we, oh, the rules don't apply to me. That's why your kids are entitled. Because they see that the rules don't apply to you. So why would the rules apply to them either? No, let's be the change. Let's say, hey, you know what? Even if it's inconvenient, I'm going to do that because it's inconvenient. You know what? Even though this is going to take me a little bit longer, I'm going to uphold the law of the land because it might take me a little bit longer to get there, right? Let's be the change because who else is going to do it? Who else is going to be the change but the church? We're supposed to be agents of change. When I was in high school, I ran track. I know when you look at me, you think track superstar. That's right. Um, I'll sign autographs afterwards, but I ran hurdles. I ran hurdles, and um, I, was, I was pretty good at the 300 hurdles, which are a little bit longer than the distance, but the 110 hurdles I absolutely hated, and my, my coach knew it. He knew I hated the 110 hurdles, and um, he made me practice them so much. I'm like, coach, like I, I'm terrible at this race. Why can't I practice the race that I'm good at? It's like, no, son, you need to practice this. And I'm like, I, okay, whatever. And um, 110 hurdles, if you don't know anything about hurdles, 110 hurdles is all about technique. It's all about technique. How you get over the hurdle, there's technique to that. And then there's a rhythm to it, right? The goal of a good hurdler is to, to only take three steps in between each hurdle. That didn't happen for Kyle. But he wanted me to practice it. And so he, I would just be like, coach, like, how about I just like uh, run through them? Like they flip over. Like I'm a football player. I'll just like bulldoze these guys. He's like, no, you need to practice your technique. Practice your technique. Because when you get the technique down, it's like a waltz. It's this beautiful picture of form and technique coming together through hours and hours and years and years of practice that when you run this race, it is just like you're gliding on the air. And he's like, you have to practice this technique. I'm like, coach, I hate this race. I don't care. You have to practice this technique because you, the way you practice is the way you're going to run this race. And he knew when I practiced or whether I practiced or not because the race that I'm running I hated to practice, and so I slacked off, and my steps are all wrong. And instead of trying to jump over the hurdle, I thought, hey, maybe it's a good idea to olay the hurdle. I like just step around it. That's how to get yelled at in front of everyone, okay? I just want to let you know, if you're going to run hurdles, don't do that. Because you, the way you practice is the way you play the game. And if we're going to be agents of change, how can we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to uphold some of the law. I'm going to be okay with some of it, but I'm going to pick and choose what I want to do. You're never going to make change like that. You're never going to be agents of change. Agents of change are never okay with good. They're only okay with perfection. My coach wouldn't put up with good. He wanted me to be perfect. He wanted me to practice it over and over. And when I fall, get back up again and continue to practice it. If we're going to fight against this, we need to be the change and we need to not play favorites. 
We can't be okay with saying, okay, you know, um, I like these neighbors. They're nice. These neighbors, they'll talk back with me. These neighbors are kind of weird. I'm not sure what they do. They're a different religion. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. I'm not going to approach them. We can't play favorites. He talks over and over in this passage about showing partiality, favoritism. These are all don'ts. These are all things that he tells us not to do because we know what it's like when we get left out. And if we're going to be agents of change, if we're going to practice justice, we need to be inclusive. Whether you agree with the way they run their family, agree with the way they run their life or not, we need to... We need to be inclusive. We need to reach out to every single one of these people that live close enough to steal our Wi-Fi and say, hey, I want to help you see what Jesus is really like. That's, that's, that's what it looks like to practice justice, is that we don't show favoritism. They're kind of weird. Yeah, they probably think the same thing of you, so just uh, get over it. Let's be agents of change. And the main way this happens, I think he gives us these two ways. And then I think the third way is, is seen in the, in the cultural context of Jesus' day is that they were about people. And I believe that God is calling us as Heritage Park for us to party in the front yard. I think he's calling us to play on their turf. If we want to be a neighbor, we need to re- reach them where they are. We can't expect them to come to Heritage Park. We can't expect them to come uh, into our house. We need to meet them where they are. So let's live in the front yard and not the backyard. Because not many conversations happen in your, in your backyard by yourself. Not many conversations happen that way. So conversations, they happen most naturally on the sidewalk not on the porch. What we need to do is we need to learn to linger. We need to learn to linger because um, when we're intentional about being in the lives of our neighbors and we're, we're trying to figure out ways to have conversations with them, we have to linger a little bit because it's not gonna always be convenient. The other day, um, my wife was working out with one of her friends in our neighborhood, and um, uh, me and Rowan were hanging out. It was awesome. It was fun. And so I'm going to go meet her. And so I put the baby in the stroller, and I'm walking around the neighborhood. It's just do-do-do. And I'm like, oh, the tire's a little flat. I could have made it, easily made it, power through that. But, you know, I went back into the garage, and I pumped up the tires a little bit, and I was kind of doing some, like, uh, off-road techniques and stuff with the, with the stroller to make sure that we could be awesome on our way there. And I'm just hanging out in the front yard, trying to linger a little bit. You know what happens? Our neighbor comes out of their house, her and her daughter, and they, they're like booking it, you know, to get to their car because they're important. They have stuff to do. They have to go watch The Bachelor at one of their friend's house. That's what apparently was happening. Uh, but I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, hey, Kyle. I have the baby. That's a trick, right? Everyone wants to come see the adorable baby. She comes, and they're like, hey, how's it going? And so we just sit and chat in our front yard. For, I'm not joking. We're all sweaty. It's like 30 minutes. We're just chatting. It's not because I'm awesome at being a neighbor. It's because I was intentionally available. I lingered a little bit. I saw my neighbor. I asked them a question, started a conversation, and we got to talk about what's going on in their life. 
I didn't know that they just got back from vacation. I, I, their daughter was there that's been off at college. I didn't know how much longer she's going to be in town. But I do now because I lingered a little bit. I lingered a little bit. We as a church, as a people of God, if we're going to be neighbors to our neighbors, we need to be outside a little bit more in the front yard. We need to linger a little bit so that we can see our neighbors and say, hey, how's it going? What's going on with your life? How are the kids? Hey, how can I, is there anything that I can do that I can help you with? Because God has been so generous to us. And just a little bit of generosity going back towards him and the people that he's created like we talked about last week. We go a long way. I think we can really see some change happen when we begin to show our neighbors this love. Because how can we show our neighbors love if we don't know what's going on in their lives? We can try. We can guess but we can be great at being neighbors if we know what's going on in their life. Hey, you know what? I, I, know, I, know, the, I know Bill's out of town. You and the girls want to come over for dinner tomorrow night? How easy is that to do if we know what's going on in their lives? It comes naturally because we want to help them. We want to be in the lives. Loving our neighbors, it takes time and effort. It does. It absolutely does. But this is what Jesus expects from us. Following Jesus, he never said it was going to be easy, but he did say it was going to be worth it. He did say it was going to be worth it. And so here is how we're ending tonight, today. It's a challenge. Because I am not okay. I'm not okay with coming here and speaking and you guys coming afterwards and saying, hey, Kyle, I like that. I'm not okay with that. It would be a big waste of all of our time if we just heard something and said, oh, that was cool, and did nothing about it. I want to be the kind of people that hear the word of God and are motivated to do something with it. So this week, this week, we are going to enter into a challenge together. All of us, whether you like it or not, let's do it because this is what God is asking us to do. Let's be neighbors to our neighbors. Two ways, two ways. If you need to type it on your phone, if you need to write it on your hand, write it on a piece of paper, I want you to remember this so that we can do it this week and I wanna hear about how it goes. I want you to, one, I want you to linger this week. I want you to linger this week. Go in the front yard, kick around the pine cones, do something, hang out on the front porch, grill in the front porch instead of the back porch. Do something to linger in your front yard this week so that when your neighbors are coming by, hey, how's it going? What's, how's it, what's going on? Maybe some of us need to get ready for our neighbors to like bolt into the house. So maybe we need to ask some good questions, be ready for those questions. But, but linger this week, okay? Just go in the front yard and see who shows up for you to talk to. Because I believe that God is appointing these divine interventions, these moments for you to be his ambassador here on earth this week. 
And all it takes is a little bit of time and effort. Not living maxed out. Linger, linger this week. It's the first thing. Giving you two things, I know I'm terrible. Linger. And the second thing I want you to do this week is I want you to be generous to someone this week. I can spend some time in the front yard, but you want me to, I want you to be generous. Find a way to give something to your neighbor, whether it is a service or whether it is a meal or whether it is something completely else. I want you to be, find a way to be generous to your neighbor this week because God has placed all of these people within a radius of you that literally can see your Wi-Fi. Like they're so close to you yet we're so far apart from them. Let's linger and see what God does when we're obedient to him. And let's be obedient in being generous to those around us. And let's just see what happens. Because I believe that God wants to work through you and through me. This is how he's created us. So let's see what happens. I'd love for you to give me some feedback. Hey, God, this is what happened. Shoot me an email. But let's linger and let's be generous because he has been so generous to us. It's just a little bit we can give back to him. Let me pray for us.